Welcome to Hell's Common Blood, where strangers are family. Every episode may contain graphic content, such as copious amounts of blood, unnecessary cursing, death of all ages, infantile to immortal, fantasy drug use, nudity, and perhaps mentions of sex and sound effects of various qualities. We cannot stress enough that this is mature content with adult themes. You have been warned. And I don't like to warn twice, as a man who is now missing his kneecaps. Well, last session was a great one. Leo, we actually, we all got back to the Leo's respite. Took finally a long rest after a long time fighting the pirates. Then we each decided to go our separate ways for a little bit. Asmodai and Cobalt go around the town looking for his collar, get a few leads, one of them ending that Fallon should have it. Well, we cut to the scene of Leo getting his ass beat and his own in. Cobalt and Asmodai go into a big mansion in the Jade Hills and find out that Fallon and Fallon Man are two different people. Uh, we cut back into going back to the inn. Dust finds Leo unconscious on the ground. Um, Asmodai is happy about this. Uh, Dust is not, so he attempts to take a, a debt from Leo to get him healed while Asmodai is a little angry at it, but it still works out in the end. Um, they get information about a robbery on the mansion that Asmodai and Cobalt were at, and then at the end of all things, Alphonse is reunited with Dust with a major slap across Dust's face. All right, that sounds good. Uh, you have plus one on your attack rolls for the day. Is that just one time or? Oh, the entire day, every attack roll. So whatever bonuses you have, you get a plus one on top of it. All right. Now, to set the scene, we have uh, a drow and a satyr. It seems like uh, they're dressed up. Uh, both of them wearing like a, uh, a burgundy and the other one wearing a brick color. Just different uh, colors of red. They stare at dust in the distance. Both of them with a crooked smile on their face. As good old Alphonse slap dust. Dust, your head is turned to the side. And Alphonse ripped you a new one saying that you should have died. Press me. I think about it every single night. All of those kids, it was my fault. I wanted to save everyone, but I couldn't. I was only able to save you. So if you think I should die, then here, Alphonse. And I place a dagger in his hand. Now it does, here's the problem. You think I won't do it. So you give him the blade. He puts it against his throat, your throat. Now I have to ask you, Dust, do you do anything? Alphonse. I just wanted you to know. I just wanted to be the hero. I'm gonna grab the, the kid's hand with the dagger. I'm like, trust me, kid. It's not worth it. Um, can both of you guys do an insight check? Tell me how much you get. I got 10. 15. Dust, he was gonna slit your throat. Leo, if Leo didn't stop him, you'd be dead by now. So, the kid struggles. You see, like, uh... We'll, we'll say, like, uh... We focus, like, 
on Leo's uh, furred paw, like holding like this little boy's like good hand. I believe I said uh, his left side was a good one, uh, holding on to like his uh, left wrist as he like shakes and tries to slit Dust's throat. There is no remorse in the kid's eyes. There is only pure anger as he tries to slit your throat. You see in the distance like Nickel and Roy sharing a chuckle as they watch this unfold, smiling at this little bit of turmoil. That's I um, call the other kid. I, I don't think we've given him a name. Um, so... No, we did. We did. His name's Damon. So I was like, Damon, come over here. Uh, take this kid and, and show him your room and see if he needs anything. You know how to get it. You uh, see the kid walk up. He has a green bandana on still, and he has a little tiny cute apron that he uh, walks around in, and he's dressed up in, I'd say, a green, uh, like, not a, a pure green, but like a uh, army green tunic. And he comes up, looks at him, and seems visibly confused. He looks at you, then looks back at the boy holding a knife against Dust's throat, presumably still, and he says to you, Leo, why do you want me to take the strange man? What's strange about him? He looks at him, takes a deep look. We, we, we see the reflection of the boy's eye onto the child, and instead of seeing like uh, Alphonse, we we see like the the his face switch from each person that died. We see uh, within each few seconds the boy's face change to Andrea's face, Georgie's face, and various boys and girls faces from the orphanage those kids that just disappeared then we cut and see alphonse we see it from dust's perspective as he's looking down and you see dust what uh the little boy scene what is this are you did they do something to you alphonse he looks at you and goes no dust they took my arm nothing else and we see Andrea's face for a second, but you let me down, and it switches to Georgie's face. You forgot about me. Then we switch to another kid's face, as he says, you forgot about all of us. What am I supposed to do, Alphonse? I can't be everywhere at once. I try my best. Obviously, I'm not cut out for all of this being the hero type shit, but at least I try. Well, let me tell you this. You didn't try hard enough. You didn't care enough about us and it goes back to Alphonse's face as his eyes are just they look dead they really do he's not actually dead but you know just that dead kind of expression there's nothing behind those eyes besides just rage I took you guys all in into my orphanage you know I grew up on the streets too I didn't want to be the ones murdering stealing being part of all these gangs that are all around but only I can do so much. You took us into your orphanage, and we starved. We started to die, and you ignored us. To find a fucking collar. Got nothing to say, do you? And he just stares at you. See a little bit of dust blowing on this dirt road. I'm done with you, Alphonse. I'm done with you. And, John, make a strength check against me. I got a, I got a 10. Yeah. And, hmm... He is a boy, and he is missing an arm, so I'm going to say he rolls at a disadvantage. No. He can't get out of your grapple, no matter how much he tries. 
He said those finishing words, I'm done with you as well, and tries to slit Dust's throat, but Leo keeps a firm grip on his hand. What do you guys do with the boy? I'm gonna still send him with Damon uh, to kind of let him settle down a bit. Do you take the knife? Yeah. Okay. You uh, take the knife, and uh, he just doesn't stop staring at Dust as he walks away with the child. You see Nickel and Roy. I think I believe I said uh, 30, 60 feet away, somewhere in between there. They look at you. Just give a shout. And that concludes our business. I hope you do enjoy your boy, Dust. You've earned him. And they turn away and start to walk. All right, I'm going to stealthily crawl up the nearest building. Uh, make a stealth check, please. That's an 18. Uh, you uh, pass their uh, passive, and you get on the roof. You slink up there. We uh, probably do like uh, a profile shot of dust as uh, he starts to climb up in the shadows of a, uh, a brick building. Basically, you know, digging into the crevices of the brick as he crawls his way to the top. So, what is your goal? You just going to be tailing them? Correct. All right. You can uh, tell them with that uh, same uh, check. Is anyone else doing anything else? I'm also, I'm also linking with um, Leo through Psychic Whispers. Okay. For my for a free one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, do you start off a conversation with anything, or just leave a uh, link with a uh, uh, basically air or dead air? Leo, we're gonna have four hours of this connection. I'm gonna be tailing. Uh, Roy and Nickel to find out where their come uh, where their base of operations is. Sounds good. Don't do anything brash without telling me first. I have no plans on engaging them. I will look after your kid. If that's all for that scene, we can uh, move on to uh, Iceman and uh, Mega. What was your guys's uh, goals? If memory serves me right, you guys were just gonna sleep in for the night after that, right? I wasn't sure it was the end of the day, but uh, I mean, depends. Well, because the, the meeting was at night, because it was uh, scheduled for night. So we did the the meeting with the, the crew. Then we were waiting to hear after uh, Yvette was scouting the, the place. So we were mm. kind of waiting. So we were uh, rest okay, up. yeah. So the biggest thing is you guys woke up in the afternoon, and you guys were uh, investigating the town, then uh, spoke to your boss, and also uh, uh, spoke to uh, Fallon. You guys did a fair amount this day. Uh, walking around the entire city so i'd say like it's uh the break of uh night and uh you see the fog rolling in yeah i guess we should hit the back cobalt we can figure out the rest tomorrow so as you guys are walking along you guys notice a few weird things first off the mist as it rolls in there's no demons again and Asmodai, as long as you've been in the city, this has never happened. One night, that's pretty strange. Twice in a row, something's happening. Other than that, you look around. Animals, like uh, birds, uh, dogs around the street, even mice. They're acting weird. They're whining. They're making weird sounds. You know, like uh, how dogs would bark before uh, earthquake? Or like how animals react to catastrophe? That's the same vibe you're getting from these animals. Something strange is going on tonight, but I'd rather get off the streets. Uh, can you make me a reflex save, uh, Asmodai? There's not another. Let's hope there's not another uh, gang turf war tonight. It's 14. 
That is a literal bullet. <laughs> no, uh, as you're walking along, there's a caged dog, and as you're walking by, it tries to nip at you, and you move your leg out of the way, and it's gnawing to the point of bleeding its gums at uh, the bars that's keeping it caged. That is stupid. Why are animals behaving stupidly? Hmm. Uh... Cobalt is now firmly using Asmodai as a personal shield. <laughs> Uh, what 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 is Cobalt doing right now? I, last time, uh, last session we had like you had a large influx of emotion, uh, especially anger. What is uh, Cobalt doing right now? What what's going through his head? So, uh, I guess like as they were as they were heading out, like he was still feeling angry, but uh, but as Asmodai is like you know pointing out the I mean, like I guess like Cobalt like first seeing the. Uh, first seeing the fog, just like, oh no, not this again, and like, goes a bit more scared, but when Asmodai like, pointed out how weird it is, it's like, uh, he becomes more, I guess, cautious, because like, uh, because cause he keeps finding himself in new situations, and he doesn't know how to respond to them. <laughs> and now with this, you know, this unfortunate dog, yeah, he is now hiding his body behind Asmodai as a human shield. It's a Doberman, and that thing is giving you the evil eye. Oh yeah, that, oh yeah, that that thing's bigger than Cobalt. Yeah, he's definitely not. He's definitely not standing next to that cage. <laughs> uh, Cobalt, what's your passive? Uh, perception. I believe it is fourteen. So as you're walking along, you uh see headless vultures lining up the sides of uh. The, the buildings that you're walking down. You're walking down like a, uh, not an alley, but a very small street, cobbled stoned with a bit of dust like blowing by. And you see the eyes and the ad abdomen of each one of these creatures just staring at you. Uh, do you have the same uh, passive Asmodai? Nope. Mine's lower. It's lower? Yeah, then you don't notice. Uh, to you, it's just, I think it's the animals that are putting you off that they're acting so strange. So, Everything's staring at Cobalt! Mm -hmm. Done. It is best that we get off the street as soon as possible. So, to move on to the next scene, if you guys have uh, nothing else. You guys, uh, we we see like a, a long shot of Asmodai and Cobalt walking up. Their silhouettes, you know, with a bit of heat waves, like, distorting their image. As you guys uh, start to uh, walk up through this uh, cobblestone street, we uh, see... Leo. I assume Leo's inside right now, right? Talking to the boy? Yeah. Yeah, we, like, see, like, uh, from this shot, like, uh, like a partial, like, uh, a window where we see, um, like, Leo talking. Then we zoom into Leo. Leo, what are you talking about right now? You have your Loxodon friend inside the room. We have, uh, the Damon, and we have, uh, Alphonse. Like, tell me how everyone's seated, what's happening. Um, I imagine Gus is kind of just sitting in the, standing in the corner, maybe like poking at the fire. Um, Damon is kind of just tending to the kitchen and, and cleaning up. And Leo's with Alphonse giving him food and like seeing if he can, is willing to talk a little bit, but I imagine probably not very talkative at this point. No, and like you can tell when he, starts to get really really angry at just thinking you see his face morph into a one of the kids every time he like starts to have a burst of emotion 
And you know if this kid gets caught doing this, he could be executed. Yeah, so I would have uh, locked the door probably at this point and kind of closed the windows as much as possible. Yeah, so uh, you lock the door. Now that that I actually think about it, like uh, the moment you lock the door, I would assume Asthma dies ready to open it. I will break the door if I have to. I don't care. Yeah, the moment you lock it, like, uh, asthma die. How do you treat a locked door the first time, like, you try to open it? I will knock. Yep, you hear a firm knock. What do you do, Leo? I peek out the window, see who it is. You see, like, a large figure in armor and a small dog, maybe? I'd say, who is it? <laughs> yeah. Who do you think it is? Santa Claus? Open the door. Oh, great. The protection has returned. Unlock the door. Yep. You unlock the door, and we see Asma die. <laughs> we see Asma He brings wonderful promise sticks to all the good little boys and girls. We see Asma die and Cobalt walk in. You know, it's funny you mentioned protection, because you haven't paid for yours yet. Yeah, but I had arranged to do that. But now I'm actually no, so you didn't. Sure. I I believe with your boss and I had discussed that we would keep the same deals as the previous owner. And actually, no, that was not the conversation. Well, I think we had decided that yes, we were going to keep the business flowing, and that was the deal. And as far as the neighborhood is concerned, then yes, it is the deal. Actually, but to quote you. I believe you said I can make our lives easy or I can make them hard. Uh, all you did was say the tavern is mine and then threaten us. There was never discussion of business other than the threat of if we didn't go along with what you said that you would make life difficult. I believe that we had discussed business as well. You and I in particular have discussed it many times. And I have brought it up to your boss. Nothing's ever been decided. It's just been talk. Well, I'm sure the neighborhood would also know because word has spread that I was honoring our deals. So Actually, anyone who would have seen that conversation, there was no deal that was made. Yeah, um, anyone who saw that conversation maybe, but not the people who have heard from my bartender who's very publicly announced that the deals will be oh, honored. Oh, so... You are going to turn the public against us who have been providing this area of the city with protection, funds, food, housing, various generous donations for 10 plus years. And you who have been here for what, a few days? Yep, the same people that um, have frequently been bested in the street. I imagine because having seen your little combat earlier, the fact that your men were killed by a group of people that I killed two of them by just sticking my sword straight. I imagine that you guys haven't quite been living up to your reputation recently. Mm, fascinating. What, what fantasy land do you live in? Please, I want to live there. I'm living in the land where another gang just went into the heart of your territory unaccosted and destroyed a business underneath your protection in the middle of your street 
And well, then... really, what business would that be? Because I'm pretty sure Leo's respite was not under our protection. And then assaulting the owner of said business after publicly being recognized as being under your protection. Actually, you were never publicly recognized. That is point. If we, in the conversation you had, you were never recognized. You threatened and that's we not, backed down. That's not what the uh, neighborhood has been hearing. Really? That's fascinating. Because anyone who has ears and who has brain in between said ears knows how we do things. You have never set up protection, nor have you been publicly recognized since the establishment has changed hands in the last 24 hours. Exactly. So, so the establishment well, hasn't been publicly recognized as changed. Therefore, no, indeed. You, I believe somebody already changed name. Yep, and my bartender has been very adamant about honoring deals. In fact, we have already kept your men coming through the bar. Fascinating. Doesn't mean anything. You have never set up protection for your business and see what happened. And what is the public going to see? The public doesn't matter. Because the thing is, the public knows where the bread is buttered. Not from some upstart stranger who got here within the last couple of days. We've been in this city for years, and they know who to trust other than some sneaky cat who walked their way in and he started to act like he owns the place. Well, I do in fact own the place. You hear Alphonse laugh at like uh, your guys' fighting as uh, he's just carving into the wood with something sharp that he found. Oh, it looks like someone's defacing your property even more. It looks like shit in here, Iceman. Or, uh, Asmodai. You look around, a lot of the furniture is now missing. And there's no liquor. <laughs> yep, it's a shame that no one was here to protect this place. If you would like to discuss actual terms for a deal, then we can discuss prices. Yeah, I think uh, I'd have to see what I'd be getting, because I've not been impressed from what I've seen so far. Mega, I wanted to actually ask before we move on, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, like, uh, Cobalt, after realizing this conversation was not ever going to include him, uh, his eyes wander over, seeing Alphonse, and just, like, eyes wide, just, like, and just screams, Alphonse, boy! You uh, see him look up, and... God. I, I think you look at him, you have a smile, then he looks at you, and then his face morphs into yours, and he smiles. He just, and... uh... Runs up, just runs up and hugs him. Boy, safe! Mega, do me a history check. 24. <laughs> the moment you hug him, we hear the clicking of gears in your head. And then, like, the moment you give one tight squeeze, like, we hear a final clank. Then you think about it for a second. And you think about that slur that you called Leo. And you look at him, and him looking at you with your face. You're hugging a false face. Figuratively or literally? <laughs> literally. Cobalt, yeah, like, as Cobalt's doing it, like, eyes wide, immediately lets go, backs up, and pulls dagger. You not Alphonse, boy! And we cut away from that. <laughs> uh, we'll say we uh, see 
like a, uh, a wide view of the city at night on the rooftops, all covered in shadows. And we see dust here, like, running through. Dust, are you eavesdropping on conversation, or are you far enough away where they just can't see you? I'm far enough away to... My goal is to find out where their base of operations are. I'm not worried about being in earshot. I want to be as stealthy as possible. Yep, you see them, like, just talking. And, like, well, wordlessly talking. Like, you can't hear anything. As they're going along, you, you feel like the direction they're going is very familiar. And eventually they stop at the ruins of your orphanage. They go behind one of the pieces of rubble, and you see nothing else. Do you go investigate? I'm going to wait a little bit. You wait a little bit, and nothing happens. What do I see in the larger general area with the nat 20? You see weird flickers of a shadow and a silhouette. That's it. Just at the orphanage? Yep. All right, what about like surrounding? Is there any hustle and bustle? Nope. Everything's just about down. People are still like under the impression of curfew, except for uh, gang members doing business at night. You see uh, black eyes on uh, some of the civilians as uh, they talk business. You see uh, crimson fists patrolling the streets. You see uh, wild ones picking fights and uh, the Clearwater Saline boys getting drunk. I am going to take note of the time that they went in. Okay. Um, I'll say five to ten minutes have passed and they haven't moved. All you see is like a silhouette and a shadow moving without a object to uh, like cast the shadow. About how far away am I from the orphanage? Say about good like maybe 30-60 feet on a nearby building. I'm going to take a big sniff in the air. And you smell um, God, what the fuck would you do for smell? I'm gonna put that underneath perception check. Yeah, perception check. Give it to me and tell me how much it is. Five. I think you smell, uh, nutmeg. I am going to wait there and see if they come out. Tell me how much, uh, or how long you stay for, and I'll tell you as time progresses. Until the sun starts coming up, if they don't you leave out sooner. So, hang on, I want your perspective before we uh, move on. Do you understand what's happening right now, Dust? They went into the orphanage and then disappeared. Yep. Okay. Just want to make sure. So, they went into the orphanage, they're casting, sh uh, like, shadows and silhouettes without, you know, actually being there. Uh, you wait and wait and wait, and we look at the sun. Again, I want to say it's another side profile view, like, from a distance, and we see, like, a, your, like, shadow as well. Like, uh, covering most of your body as the sun, like, rises, like, uh, behind you. Or at least to your side. Uh, since that's all you're doing, Dust, I'm gonna move the scene, unless you want to do anything else. What is the material I'm standing on on this roof? Uh, I'd say sh uh, shingles. Just shingles. Okay, I'm going to scratch a message, wait here, and thieves can't. Okay, you do that. And then that will end my scene. Okay, so we're just going to say, just to make uh, the scene consistent, you followed them to your orphanage, they disappeared, and you're just watching until the sun rises. You're going to take another point of exhaustion while you do this. Because not only have you not killed anyone yet, but you're avoiding a long uh, long rest. Um, I so, thought we took a long rest. No, you guys didn't take a long rest yet. 
the day before we took a long rest. Yeah, yeah. And you took exhaustion for not killing anyone today, and you're avoiding long rest until like sunrises because you're uh, doing reconnaissance. So that's two point of exhaustion on you. Which means your speed is going to be halved. I would yep. suggest not getting a second point of exhaustion, if at all avoidable. Mm-hmm. So, again, let's move on from this. Uh, we'll let Dust keep thinking about this. We move back to the scene. Mega, uh, what do you yell? Fun's boy! And, you know, like, Hind is, like, uh, holding out a dagger as he jumps away. <laughs> uh, Asmodai, Leo, your head snapped towards your little friend his eyes i assume like uh, jittering a little bit as he's holding out his dagger against the boy how is this going to play out boys what is it Cobalt, what are you doing that no alphonse boy it's <laughs> my draconic is a little lax is that the same thing he called you yeah didn't he say it was like face something okay cobalt cobalt why is boy false face it's not that hard to tell. You look at it, and he's wearing Cobalt's face. And Asmodai, you're very familiar with the laws against this race. This is the only racist law that they have that a basically whatever the fuck he is gets executed. Oh, it is that. Cobalt, stand back so I can kill it. Oh, there. You're just going to kill him? Uh, yes. Are you not familiar with the laws against that? In fact, if you were caught... Actually, this isn't my business, so... Uh, you know what? You know what? Please get caught with this thing in your business so you can go to jail. And then we can have the business back. Brilliant. Yeah, you do realize I have the deed and that's not quite how it works. But okay. uh, If you go to prison... Cobalt takes his free hand and shoots it at the the the, the changeling with a ray of frost. <laughs> okay, go right ahead. Only eleven to hit though. Eleven to hit. Well, it is a boy, and he has like a co I believe commoner NPC stats, so it'd be ten AC if memory serves me right. So you hit. All right. How much damage? <laughs> I'll accept this one cold. <laughs> <laughs> That's so sad. Cobalt. Uh, we zoom up on your hand, we see, like, hoarfrost, like, leaking out from your uh, hand, like it's dry ice. And we see a shot of, uh, your hand shooting out this, uh, uh, ice beam. And it hits Alphonse right on the arm. Well, his missing arm. And you basically, like, cover his missing wound. We see Cobalt's face in Alphonse's, and all you see is fear. Uh, I want to try to grab Cobalt. Uh... What kind of, do you guys want to do contests? Mega, do you let this happen? What's happening? Oh, Cobalt is resisting. Okay, do a little contest. So, uh, Leo got an 8, Cobalt got an 18, you will go right out. So, what are you saying, Cobalt, as he tries to grab you? It's, uh, just like, No, get away! <sighs> Cobalt must do this for Master! Why does your Master want you to kill a child? Because it's not a child! It, just because it's a different race doesn't mean it's not a child. No, I mean, it probably it may not even be a child. So you kill it just because it's different? Yeah, I'm doing nothing. I'm sitting here and eating none uh, yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking to Cobalt. I'm saying you're killing it just because it's different. You can't understand. You know no Cobalt. You know no Master. So then explain it to me. Cobalt, don't have to explain to... <laughs> so you're going to murder for no reason? 
just because Master told you? And with that, uh, he is taking his free hand again, and instead of a ray of frost, he's just he's just doing a magic missile. <laughs> Alright. If no one tries to interrupt you, this boy isn't going to try to fight back. In fact, he's just like trying to get cover behind uh, a chair at this point. Flavor. He's hiding behind chair from you. Yeah, and and also like so yeah, basically as he's launching these, uh, and I, I guess I should probably actually roll them first. Uh, all right, so yeah, as as he is, uh, as these as these bolts are coming out from his hand, they look like they are force bolts, but they all suddenly uh, suddenly take on a more lightning appearance as they as they mercilessly strike at this child for twelve lightning damage. You said 14 points of damage, right? It's uh, 12 lightning damage. We see Jacked in the background watching this all go down. And I'm going to say that the boy mutters Cobalt's name, saying, why Cobalt? Before, like, the missiles, like, sneak around the chair. And one after another, one hits the head, one hits the side stomach, and one goes for a final blow in the stomach, like... We see a spray of blood behind the chair, along with splinters of wood, as the child basically has white in his eyes as he falls down. The child is dead. Leo's gonna growl, and Gus is gonna come over and know that is. And Leo tells them to leave. Might want to call the guards. They will be most appreciated, and uh, we'll take care of the body, and you will get no criminal charges. Leave. <sighs> I head upstairs to a room. <laughs> uh, Gus stops you. He is a mountain. Locks it on. If you want, you can try to move past him, but it is a strong individual, and he points out the door. Shrug. All right. Fine. Cobalt, let's go. Is a Cobalt breathing heavily? Is like, uh, looking at the, uh, I presume the mangled body, and then just, uh, leaves the inn without that. It stares at you with your face, your dead face on the floor, and white, pale eyes as it just stares at you, unblinking. I'm going to take a tablecloth, at least, and cover the body. Right. And then I'm going to kind of, not grab Cobalt, but kind of, like, usher him out. Alright. Still breathing heavily, like his, his eyes are probably still, uh, are still glowing a bit, but, uh, but, he, but he does let you, t like, lead him out. Alright. You guys uh, go outside, and we're going to do like a moment for all three of you as this happens. So, we look at Leo first. Leo, you're alone with Gus, and I'd assume the bartender and the child who is now looking at the boy. Leo's, I'm going to fall to like my knees next to the body and kind of start wrapping it up in a more respectful way. Mm-hmm. And we have a small flashback in your mind, Leo. You hear your mother's voice and the ticking. You hear the ticking of a clock. And you have a few blinks. And you're holding a black Fabergé egg in your hands. Your mother's next to you as a lot of people are meeting up for a burial of someone. You look up and you see that it's your father being buried and she looks down at you and says do you know why we bury our kind with a flower 
and you see this flower. It's like a uh, it's a stargazer flower that's put right aside by him. And Leo, you look down at the Fabergé egg and it keeps ticking. That's the only sound effect you hear besides your mother's words. What do you say back? Tell me why. Because whenever our kind and she looks at the uh, the sheet loosely above your father's body, because when we die, we need to find our way to the afterlife. And she points at the starry night and you see like the Leviathan covering a few of the stars, but still like the stars are breaking through and you see like a special star burning brightly tonight. And she points it out saying that one, that one is your father's star. And you look up at it and you hear the tick and tick and tick and tick of the egg. And you hear it clank as it tries to open up. And you hear your father and mother's voice say, we love you. And the egg closes and you bring yourself back to reality. And you look down at the boy. Yeah, we'll say the scene ends with Leo just coming back to reality and seeing the boy's body. Then we have a scene cut to Asmodee and Cobalt outside. Well, Cobalt, that was something. Are you okay? Cobalt, Master will be happy that another <sighs> is gone. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, I feel a little for the plight of the <laughs> and false face not even going to try to say it in your language it sounded awful nah i probably said something like fart face but it you did what you had to do you followed your convictions and who am i to stand in the way but i would ask to consider an alternative or at least some sympathy. How was that false face, small child, tied up, or not tied up, but small child, how is he going to hurt you? What damage could he have done? I understand Master tells you things and you have to listen to Master, but Master isn't there all the time. Sometimes you have to make decisions for self. Master betrayed by <sighs> Cobalt, no one same, not after today. Cobalt, not give them chance. So explain to me why false faces are so bad for your master. And also, if Leo was considered a false face, why did you not try to kill him? When, in case of... And he stops for a moment just because he realizes that uh, some things aren't going to be particularly clear. Uh, in case Alphonse boy, true... Mean that need to be gone in case of big kitty. It more how Cobalt put like like heart in peace. Not sure I quite get your meaning. Is it like an insult then? If you call some like how you call big kitty, then it's like an insult, making fun of him in a way. It make you feel though. It make Cobalt feel though. Like... Better? It expressed how Cobalt feel in heart. Okay, okay, okay. That... Alright, I think I understand what you mean. Alright. So, why are true false face bad? 
Why are they so bad to master that they are kill on sight? It's a long, long time ago. Master befriend with false face, but in moment when master trust and need false face betray master in horrible way. Is it after talking to the cleric, I finally, this is for the audience, uh, after talking with the cleric, Asmodei fairly understands that Cobalt's master is kind of, is basically his god, not like a master apprentice, so I, he understands that now. Hmm, okay. Now, has false face ever done anything to you? True false face, at least. Cobalt never meet before. Mm-hmm. So, Cobalt, I would like for you to pretend, now this is just pretend, pretend for a moment you were a false face and you were on you were very young like say three years old actually i think i have to go like two because kobold's raid aged so fast but you get my point very young what and you were put in a situation where someone just looked at you and said you had to die would you not feel upset angry would you not be frustrated would you want people to treat you that way? Is it fair that people would treat you that way in this pretend situation? How you think Alphonse boy, fake Alphonse boy, boy, can look anyway, anytime, say anything? Fair, I'll give you that point, but... What if real Alphonse boy out there? You know, fair If this boy only take place... Maybe to do bad things to Dusty Kitty. Okay, now that is a wrinkle I did not consider. Fair point. However, you're missing one really big if. What if this was real Alphonse boy all along, and he was just hiding? What if you just killed real Alphonse boy? Cobalt, no, no. Cobalt think, would Dusty Kitty not know Alphonse boy? <laughs> Probably yes, because... False faces are really good at hiding. Yeah. Well, let's say we uh, move on from that. Where are you guys intending to go? Like, uh, just find an inn and just uh, sleep really quick, a hideout? Where are you thinking? Oh, uh, we'll go to, uh, I forget the name of the inn, the nice one. Oh, uh, yeah, the lion's den. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the cat's paw, but yeah, the lion's den. We'll say, like, just to expedite things. Uh, you guys uh, go to the lion's den and uh, buy room. Um, if memory serves me right, I believe it was like uh, 10 gold for a uh, night since it's a nice place. So if you guys want to go there, just cross it off. Say you guys get a full rest and all that. Uh, Dust, during uh, throughout the night, were you doing anything? Just making notes of anyone coming and going from the orphanage. All you see is shadows and silhouettes throughout the night. If that be it, then uh, we can uh, say that morning's coming. Yeah, at daybreak. At daybreak, I would be, or as soon as it starts getting lighter outside before I see the sun, I would start heading to Leo's respite. Okay. Uh, now I need to know. Leo, you had a little bit of time to think about it. You see Jack walk up and look down at the boy, get on the knee, and start to, uh, you know, basically pet Cobalt's head, essentially. And he looks at you, Leo, and goes, Do you think this... Do I... And he just stutters. Is this right? He was a boy. No, 
This is why we're doing what we're doing. We need to fix this city. And he gives you a longing, just stare, and goes, Yeah, we need to fix this city. And he offers a hand. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Let's change the city. I gotta grab it. We will. And you guys shake a hand. What do you guys do with the corpse? I'm going to find... I'm gonna try to find a place to, if I can, bury it. Or find out like if there's an area nearby that we can send it off well. But uh, right now we're kind of keeping him, because I know that Dust will want to see him. Uh, more than likely, the nearest burial area you can go if you slink around is more likely the orphanage. That's the only place in the blighted slums that has grass. If you want to, you know. Okay. So I just, yeah, I wanted to think of something, but I'm not going to doing anything yet, except for kind of just making him his body respectable and waiting for dust. Mm -hmm. So, you know, on the Angeli's uh, mountain range, uh, where Linen uh, tribes typically like hold their funerals or uh, do uh, what the hell is called basically their uh, funeral rites is uh they typically have uh stargazers grow in abundance on the plains around the mountain range you think of fl uh, florist since uh you know the city isn't too terribly far away from the mountain range that uh they have uh stargazers if you want to uh you know use it yeah send um david to um, purchase some. Yeah, so the, I'm going to say the Krakodon. Are you sleeping at all, or are you going to take a point of exhaustion? Uh, what What's happening? Um, I mean, it, it depends how long this process would take. I would imagine that I've, if if I could grab a sleep, I would, while waiting for dust, but I guess it'd probably be more like a short rest rather than a full long rest. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to restore any uh, like health points at all, we can say you avoided a long rest because I'm going to say like right now, you don't know who's going to walk in. If you don't deal with the body and it gets caught, it could be your head. Yeah, no, so he's not like he's staying by the body, but he's he's not like doing active activities more kind of just. So we'll say uh, you had a, a bit of a short rest. Leo, you get a point of exhaustion, and we're going to say, like, throughout the night, we have a montage of uh, Gus basically, like, pampering you, basically giving you water, pulling out hidden liquor for you to drink, and basically doing whatever you tell him to do. We see Damon go at the crack of dawn, and we're going to say, Dust, that you're so focused on going back to uh, Leo's respite that you don't really notice the boy, like, passing by you as uh, he goes to the forest and uh, buys like a bouquet of uh, stargazers and basically dust you come to a locked door essentially yep leo and check to see who it is you see a cat a tabaxi i unlock the door you unlock the door you see dust dust the first thing that meets your gaze is leo and his body is covering up uh alphonse's like corpse in the distance so you're not immediately aware so I did a little reconnaissance. I found that Roy and Nickel are using the orphanage as what looks to be a place of meeting, but they disappear when they get in there. Dust. There's something you need to see. Uh, okay. This cobalt. He came here. We didn't see it coming. And I kind of gesture him into the room. Yeah. And we have an over-the-shoulder shot of Dust walking in. Dust. Do I see the body? Yeah. You see Cobalt's head slightly peeking out. 
Cobalt is Cobalt dead? What happened? No, Cobalt Cobalt caused this. We tried to stop him. What what do you mean? It's Alphonse. That's not Alphonse. That that looks exactly like Cobalt. I pull pull the sheet down so you can kind of see the the whole thing with the arm and everything. So, like his head is of Cobalt, so the rest of the body is human like. Uh missing an arm and uh just cold. It looks human from the neck down. What 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 happened? You see frost harden on his uh, side. It still hasn't melted. It's like dry ice. Or for uh, above, uh, because I switched it to uh, to lightning damage. There's like the frost, but then also some burnt bits. Yeah, just to say, there's scar tissue on there, basically uh, black skin and uh, ice covering it. So this is Alphonse, but why does he have the head of Cobalt? Alphonse was not what you thought he was, but he was still your child. What do you mean, not what I thought he was? Did Al- uh, Roy and them send the wrong kid? What, was he like, did they do something? Was that not Alphonse? I mean, you would know better than I would. And I need to specify something, too. His, like, even though he's dead, his body, like uh, that of a boy, still remains. And I was doing the head for flavor, but I'm going to say, like, after a certain while, especially dust since you came in, I'm going to say that it starts to, like, transform slightly back to a white-skinned person, still a child, with uh, pure white snow hair, and it's long, but his features still look close to Alphonse. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm confused, like, I've, I've never seen this, did they, they, they didn't send Alphonse back, they lied, I sold the orphanage for nothing, and they lied, Roy didn't keep his word. Are you sure this isn't Alphonse? It still has the atrophied arm. Like, you can still tell, like, his uh, arm is deformed. It has the atrophied arm, but cut. Does... I mean, it has every making of Alphonse, but I've never seen Alphonse, you, you know, change like this. He was probably afraid. You know what they do to his kind around here. That's why I thought they never showed up in this place. Scared. They're scared. They're in hiding. This, this is what's poisoning the city. This kind of behavior. This is what we're fighting against. And Cobalt just just killed him for no reason. They couldn't let him live. What what did Alphonse even do? Did did Alphonse attack him? No, not even after Cobalt attacked. I tried to grab him, but he was too quick for me. Do you know where they went? Where where's Asmodai? I sent them away so I could keep the body respectful. So if that ends the scene, I want to uh, move towards you know moving the body and stuff. So I assume you guys, like, it's the crack of dawn, like, a few people are getting out, but it's still, like, nowhere as busy as, like, late morning or early afternoon is. But, uh, I assume you guys slink over to the orphanage to, uh, bury the body? No, I'm, I would uh, go towards the orphanage, just because, um... Where would you bury him? I would head outside of town to find, mm. like, a beautiful view, perhaps overlooking the sunset. We're going to say that you guys somehow got past the guards uh, guarding the entrance, like entering bridge to uh, the two uh, uh, peninsulas that make up uh, uh, Drogue Port. But uh, as you guys get up there, there's uh, there's a nice large mound that overlooks uh, the Ink Sea and uh, the tentacled sun that shines in the background. And I want to say that Leo... Did you bring Gus along with you, or is this a thing that only you and Dust are doing? I imagine 
uh, Goss was coming to just to, you know, mm-hmm. keep us because we we didn't know what we were gonna have to face to get here. So yeah, so I'm gonna say like Gus is leaning back on a tree, like in the background. And do you dig along with dust out of respect? Yes. Yeah. So we see like shovels as they uh, crunch into the dirt, and we uh, hear the dust like fly up. No, Leo, let me do this. Okay. So. Just to clarify, you know it takes like five to six hours to dig a grave, right? Alone? Well, I, 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 yeah, I guess I'll let Leo help. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, you want to expedite the process before anyone sees you. So, like, you try to stop him, and I assume, Leo, you just shake your head and you continue yeah, on. I just, like, shake my shoulder, brush his hand away. Yeah, and we see that scene as you guys start, like, digging the grave, and we see piles of dirt behind it. And you guys gently lower down uh, the body of Alphonse. What do you guys say? So Cobalt did this. I spent all this time trying to say uh, I killed all the kids. And for what? For nothing? It's not for nothing, Dust. Doing the right thing is the right thing. We will use that. Use that as fuel so we can change this city. What do I have to go back to? The city has done nothing for me. It's brought me nothing but pain and suffering. I have no family. You no know, one friend of mine passed away. And the one, you know, I consider you kind of a friend. But Cobalt, he was special to me. And he just kills the last remaining child. Yes. And you see what this city does. Do you want that to happen to more people? I know you, Dust. You had an orphanage. You care. And that's why... You know that you're going to have to come back with me. We are going to have to change the city or else this story will just keep repeating. You got a point, Leo. I'm going to lay the, the flowers. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, I I think we zoom up to, like, dust, like, downcast face as, like, the sun shines behind both of you, overcasting shadows on front of you. It's hard to tell, like, the any kind of feature from you. And we see... Like uh, the uh, the stargazer fall into the grave and land on white. We end that scene with dirt covering the white, and we move on to Iceman and uh, Mega waking up in the morning. Tonight's the big night. What is your guys' plans for today? I think the first thing Cobalt would do is uh, uh, having to sleep on it, as it were. Uh, Cobalt would uh, pick a corner of the room and like uh, prop up his uh, his book and start writing. You begin to write. Was the first thing you say? Uh, Cobalt, no, no. If Cobalt did right thing. And as you write that down, your text gets erased and it's replaced by uh, uh, the writing of your master in rough draconic saying. So long as you have my intentions in mind, child, you will always do the right thing. What have you done? And it has just a question mark near the end. Cop In Draconica. Cobalt. Kill false face. True false face. So, uh, what gets written down is just a little caricature of your master clapping and smiling. And it says, uh, good work. I'm so proud of you. But... Yeah, and it just says, why do you believe you did wrong? Cobalt think Cobalt hurt dear friend because Cobalt kill false face. And 
there's a moment of confusion that you can feel behind the writing and it just says, you should be celebrated. They should have a holiday for you. What weird customs do they have there? The... It possible, full space, child, important person, a friend, he not know, but false face, false face. And again, like it writes down, I don't understand that sounds even better. You cut it at its source before the weeds began to spread. And it writes down an example for you. Cobalt, if you were a bird and you laid eggs and you had one of those eggs switched out with that of a snake, what would you do to that snake? Cobalt, kill the snake, protect clutch. Exactly. And it writes down. Now, what would you do if you knew that one of the eggs was a snake's egg and... You could get rid of it before it hatched. Cobalt would smash egg. Cobalt, you smashed the egg. I'm so proud of you. How does Cobalt feel after that? So, Cobalt, still feeling conflicted, writes, What happened if friend angry at Cobalt, even though Cobalt saved friend? And it writes down, The only one who'd be angry at you, destroying an egg before it hatched, is the mother to that egg and it writes down are you friends with a false face emphatically starts writing no no of course not cobalt no think dear then it writes down then you have nothing to worry about who would care for a false face besides another false face um asmodai if you want like i assume like mega you're doing this as you guys woke up right so yeah like i said he just kind of picked a corner props the book up against the corner and yeah, you just see, like, uh, Cobalt just sketching on the side, or at least writing down uh, frantically. I, I'm I'm going to be doing my own thing. Uh, I'm not going to pay him any money. I got my own morning ritual. So what are you doing in the morning while he's writing? Uh, since this hasn't been described before, so what I do is I slowly put on my... Uh, I first put on my, un- my undergarment, which my armor will sit, uh, the leathers, and then I will take each piece of armor... And as I do, I say a little prayer. As I put on my gauntlets, I say, Shall this defend the hands that will bring forth freedom to others? Or as I put on the greaves and boots, May you carry me unto victory in the battles that lie ahead. As I put on the breastplate, May you forever keep my heart determined and set on the goals that are above to conquer my enemies and bring about the freedom that you give to all. And then as I will then pull my hammer out and look at my hammer, uh, sprinkle some, pull out a, a pouch that's got some powder, some red powder on it, and uh, sprinkle it on top of the ha- hammer and say, With this hammer, I bring about war. I bring about the victory, and I break the chains of the enslaved, and I will bring to them all your freedom. Bless me this day as I carry out your will. Amen. I want to say, like, we see the shadow of Asmodai as you put on each, like, piece of armor, and we see, like, a shadowy chain on each part of your body as you're putting on each, like, uh, piece of armor. And when you finish off that prayer with an amen, like, if we were to look at you, you would see a sheen of a bright white and orange 
like go over the armor like your prayer was answered and we look at the shadow as it just disappears momentarily and when it comes back there's no more chain or chains you just see your shadow in all its glory just take a deep breath say these good see the chains fall off of all of us cobalt how are you feeling and we go back to cobalt towards uh what was said before if i remember right it was like uh you, you're not friends with a false face yeah just yeah just yeah again writing emphatically like no no of course not hear asmodai calling out for you mega uh how do you react while you're writing to your master cobalt jumps a little bit like ah! easy i'm not going to do anything just saying are you ready how are you feeling usually the night after it a cure like this can be troubles. And make uh Cobalt, as he asks how you're doing, your master gives you parting words. On the left page, it is completely filled up with one word, kill. And on the right is you see like the draconic word or spelling for false face. The Cobalt looking at the book. Just like as his own parting word. Cobalt, understand. Mm -hmm. And that's all that remains as a reminder. He closes the book. Uh, Cobalt, Cobalt, ready to go. Okay, but she didn't answer my other question. How are you feeling? Cobalt, have doubt, but Master say what Cobalt do okay. Okay. And Master never lie, Cobalt. Okay, fair. Master will never lie to Cobalt, but Master can tell truth and still be wrong. Not saying your Master is lying, but you have to ask yourself, are you okay with what you had to do? And Cobalt, your book weighs... it feels heavier. It's, uh, when you say heavier... Like, like I, it's not unbearable. It just feels like, uh, you know, like when you have a moment of clarity and... It just weighs more to you. It didn't actually change in weight. It just feels more heavy. Cobalt head fuzzy on, on that thought. I am not here to tell you, but if you have to ask yourself at some point, you may love your master. He, You may think he is the best thing in the world, but if you are not happy with yourself in serving your master, then perhaps you should look elsewhere. Or maybe, in this one instance, you should not do exactly what your master says. You won't have to be friends with Falseface, potentially. But maybe not kill on sight, especially if child. Maybe. Possible. Alternate way of thinking. I'm not here to judge your actions, just to get you to think about Does that end your guys' little RP, then? Uh, yeah. I mean, unless Cobalt has something. So... Like uh, yeah, Co yeah, Cobalt is just uh, left no left quiet in thought. <laughs> oh, one last thing, I have to warn you, Dusty Kitty may not be too happy. He might, well, I don't know how how close was he to uh, Alphonse Boy? And Cobalt, you get a lot of flashbacks of every decision Dust made, both violent and you know moving forward, was in thought of that boy. So we see a montage of dust in your head. I mean, just, you know, just above table here, literally everything and anything that dust has ever done to that poor boy. <laughs> this is almost a mercy killing. But anyway. 
<laughs> no one's in doubt. Trust me. The first time he met him, he abused the kid. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, if anything, that thought just makes Cobalt even more confused. <laughs> Cobalt, he likes him, but at the same time, Cobalt thinks he handed him. <laughs> All right, back to Omega. Uh, but the Dusty Kitty confused Cobalt with love for children. So, are you saying he cared about them a lot? Or you're confused whether or not he liked them. Compared with Master Tree, Cobalt, and all of Clutch much more differently. Nicer? Well... In, in, in City, in City, do... He had to think on this word for a moment because he only learned it recently. Do father hurt children with love? Oh, that is a... Uh... That's a really complicated question. It depends on how you look at it. Sometimes, father can hurt child with love. Like, if child is doing all sorts of bad things, if child go out and steal, or act poorly, behave like brat, badly, behave badly, then father will hurt child to get child to learn, and it is done out of love. Other times, some fathers just hurt child to hurt child, and it is done out of other emotions. So, hurt child inside? Oh, you know, you ask really good questions. I can't necessarily answer. I can tell you about how my father treated me. Sometimes he hurt me, but... Really, it was... I deserved the hurting. However, when I did good, he was happy, he loved me, he cared for me. He treated me very well. As, lo as long as I acted good, I, I got good. When I acted bad, I received bad. And because he did that, he showed how much he loved me. Because if I never got stopped from doing bad, I would just do bad all the time without lack of consequence. It's very complicated. However, for more, to get to the meat of the conversation, it does sound like Dust cared for these children. So, maybe Dusty Kitty is going to be very, very mad at Cobalt for a while and may want to do hurtful things to Cobalt. Maybe. Don't know. Be careful around Dusty Kitty for a bit. He may do nothing, but... Be on your guard. He might, maybe, just slightly be really upset at you. And, again, Cobalt, there is one image seared into your mind about Dust and his relationship with Alphonse. What expression did Dust have when he opened up that box with Alphonse's arm? Explain in detail. My face was of pure dread, knowing that they took one of my children... You could see tears forming in my eyes of not only sadness, but a mixture of hate as well. That leaves a bad taste in your mouth, Mega. Cobalt, feel different in chest. All right. To keep the scene from, like, drawing out too long, well, we'll say we'll cut away from that. Leo and Dust. What does Alphonse's grave look like? 
Is there any stones nearby? Yeah, there can be. I'm going to make a little headstone. Okay. Do you guys do anything special with it? I just write Alphonse on it in common. Mm -hmm. And John, I assume you have like one stargazer in your hand. Yeah. Yeah, I know you threw like most of it in there. Do you plant one above his grave? Yeah, plant it right, uh, right next to the stone. Leo, what time is this heist? Tonight. <clears throat> I need some rest before we do this. I think we could all use a little peace. Let's head back. And as you say, let's head back. Uh, we see you both talking side, like uh, opposite sides of the grave. And we have like the rock tombstone made of like a random assortments of rocks. And we see the spirit of Alphonse looking at you guys. And as you guys like have a moment of what in your peripheral, you look down and see nothing. But you feel grip on both your hands of a warm embrace and do you guys go to leo's respite to rest yes yeah okay you guys go to leo's respite and we're going to uh segue a well it, do you guys have any rp or are you just gonna take a full long rest what time of day is it it's like early morning i'd say about eight o'clock so if you guys go to bed it would be like four o'clock in the afternoon when you guys get up leo i want you to wake me before we go on this heist I need as much rest as I can get. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You should eat something, too. Got any food? Grapes? I'm not sure about grapes, but I'm sure we can scrounge something up. <laughs> Alright, as you guys walk back in town, back to Leo's respite. I, uh, so, Asmodai, uh, Cobalt, what are you guys doing for the day? Well, we got that meeting. Uh, at some point, they said the next day. Because uh, the gala is at night, I imagine if we're going to set up guard protection, that's going to be, or discuss the potential of uh, who's going to be the guards for that night, it would be taken care of early the next day, or that meeting would be set sometime soon. So, uh, what kind of preparations do you guys do before the meeting? Uh, I get my prices. Yep. I figure out what is a fair price. Um... And I uh, get just get in my mind any facts about the Greyhounds crap they've been doing around the city. Definitely going to be using Leo's Respite as a primary example. Uh, we'll talk up my uh, talk up my men. Be thinking of the specific ones that would be best to be in sort of more cultured society. Um, and I will also. Um, yeah, that's that would be the preparation. Mm. Uh, what about your gauntlet? Oh, yeah, thanks. Uh, I'm going to be taking off my gauntlets, okay, stowing <laughs> uh, them, and I'll be wearing nice. Uh, I'll just be wearing my bare hand uh, or the leather that is over my gauntlets because you know I don't need to be wearing my gauntlets. I'm not going into battle. Mm. <laughs> All right, so uh, you take off the gauntlets, and uh, here's how I want to do it. So we're gonna have like a, a sec or we're gonna have a skill challenge throughout this entire thing. And uh basically I'm gonna have a couple main points. You're either gonna argue, agree, or find alternate solutions. And from that we will uh, basically determine an outcome. So yeah, to set the scene. Yeah. To set the scene, uh we have Lady Diamond sitting at a throne. And we have 
we have Fallon with his burnt face and bald head on the side of a, a carpet that goes up a flight of stairs to uh, the throne. Then on the side away from that, you see a like big man, a guy almost as big as David from the Magical Inquisition with the cyst on his face. This guy matches him in size, but he just has a uh, he has a beret on as style, and uh, he just has like a belt around his like really fat but uh, regal tunic, and uh, uh, he is just like tapping his foot impatiently. And uh, I'll just bow to both of them and be like, I appreciate very much you both agreeing to this meeting. And we have a wide shot of everyone in the room with uh, with Asmodai kneeling at the far left of uh, the frame. And on the far right above you, looking down at you, is Lady Diamond, the Earl. And she goes and says to uh, Fallon with, you know... A, not smug, but an irritated face. Why is the common rabble in my throne room? And you see Fallon look up and just shake his head. He uh, defends your side and says, This is not mere uh, common rabble. This man right here is the exact solution you need for your ball tonight. And he motions for you to speak. Yes, I was under the impression that you've been informed of my offer, which was that... Uh... We can take over, I or rather, I work for a company, uh, an organization that can provide the guards for tonight and possibly even longer term, uh, since the guard, the actual city guards have been so depleted as of late, and so we can. They are good men. We are good at what we do, and we can supplement the protection for tonight because I have heard that the Greyhounds have been causing lots of problems. And you get interrupted with a man yelling, BULLSHIT! And you see the fat man look at you. His name, Cowdenhoven. And he says, My Greyhounds know what they do, and they do it right. I've seen your gang and common rabble raising shit on the floor of the blighted slums. Us greyhounds actually have pride in our work, unlike you fucking crimson fists. I'm sorry, who? What are you talking about? I I don't know what a crimson... F I do not work for any such organization. I'm independent at this moment. Can you uh, make a deception check for me, please? I'll <laughs> uh, do standard. No advantage, no disadvantage. What did he get? An 18. You got over it. The DC was 15. And he... You you basically outmaneuvered... Not exactly elegantly, but you outmaneuvered a big hole in assuming that everyone knows that you're Crimson Fist. And you see Earl Diamond. Uh, she, she's in a white dress with blue, like, bright frills on that dress. Her uh, chin on her uh, uh, fist, looking down at you and goes, I see no crimson fist on that hand. And we look at your hands and there's no gauntlet. And it looks like you got the edge in this conversation so far. Uh, what do you want to, like, how do you want to segue this? Sure. So I'll just smile and say, as far as the greyhounds and their current conduct goes, uh, just look at the former establishment uh, known as the Starry Eye, now called Leo's Respite, that was ransacked by Greyhounds and their conduct. Uh, 
that was according uh, also as far as I know they have really been causing lots of stirring as of late the evidence which I don't need to present here that I think it's fairly easy to see now yep hang on so Fallon uh, basically Diamond looks at Fallon and Fallon just uh, uh, like nods his head saying yeah there was uh, problems with the starry eye today. They had uh, a lot of their produce uh, broken, and we even have a body. And uh, Cowdenhoven just pales a little bit and uh, goes, Oh, did you identify the body? And the uh, Fallon just goes, uh, We're still working on that. But it did have uh, the mark of a greyhound. And you see him just get, like, you see Cowdenhoven, the fat noble, just get some white in his hair. But. You look at uh, Earl Diamond and just shrug her shoulders going, Who cares about the common rabble? No one cares about commoners. In fact, and she looks down at uh, uh, Cowdenhoven and goes, I heard that you left us defenseless on the siege. And again, if he was growing a few gray hairs, he would be an old man right now with wrinkles and full white. See, and there's a problem. You can't trust them to be good guards. You can't even trust them to guard the Jade Hills. See, my men, and Mr. Fallon can confirm this, my men were on the beach helping defend this city. They are good, stalwart, valiant, trusted men, and, oh, most important part, were cheaper. And... He uh, basically goes on, or Cowdenhoven tries to, uh, you know, save face, and he looks up at her and goes, Well, uh, my men uh, took care of most of the siege by themselves. Uh, they, that common rabble, uh, that guard, did little to help. And I want you to try to, uh, what what kind of ch uh, check do you want to do to, like, deflect against that? He's basically exaggerating the assistance that he did on that night. I mean, it would be what argument is more persuasive, mine or his, so it would be persuasion. Yeah. go right ahead. I have a DC in mind. Oh, uh, that's 20. You, you easily do it. You, you easily beat it. And she looks at you and go, Well, I've heard that uh, the Greyhounds were taken away from the Jade Hills. And I also heard from Fallon, looks down from Fallon, then back at Cowdenhoven, then looks at you and goes, I heard you and Inquisitor Moss did a lot of work that night to secure the safety of our city, even doing so much as to sink a ship. For that, you have my thanks. Not a problem. Just goes to show how much of service myself and my men can be to your nobleness and the rest of the Jade, your lordness and the rest of the Jade Hills. Mm -hmm. And you see her begin to cough. She looks very pale and sickly thin and she looks back at you and goes uh, please let's wrap this up i feel under the weather and i need to be in top shape for the ball tonight now prices how many men what am i to expect uh and i will give a number that mm -hmm. makes yeah. sense. <laughs> okay, we can hand wave it and like say this is a silent scene where you guys are discussing the specifics. And we are focused on Cowdenhoven's face. And again, this guy has a large neck. I'd say that'd be the biggest thing is a blubbering large neck and a huge double chin. And with that, uh, uh, what did you call it, Iceman? The hat? Right. 
uh, you, with the beret, we see him shake. And it looks like his hands get sweaty as they try to clench, but the man can't clench his hands completely with how fat he is. And he looks at you, and then we just hear, like, the shattering of glass in his mind as he's about to break. And he goes, That man right there, interrupting you as you speak about the details, goes against the god Siam. I declare heresy, and looks at uh, Earl Diamond and goes, On what grounds? I think him a heathen. And he basically crosses his arms at you. And Fallon just shakes his head going, he's grasping at uh, straws, my liege. This man over here is not a heathen. And basically Earl looks at you and asks, what god do you pray to? All right. So I've been in this city for 10, at least 10 years. Yep. How would my god be treated here? Because I've probably mentioned it before. Uh, in the last 10 years, how would people see Vulcan? In the Blighted Slums, it's a polytheistic kind of community where people praise Delgar, a draconic god, and various other gods of different cultures. And nobility, in the Jade Hills, there is only two just gods for the Juliano kingdom. And that is Nahash, the serpent in the sky, and Siam, the blind god. Basically, um, this is basically the figurehead behind uh, the Magical Inquisition and how they're established. And being called a heathen inside of a court could result in your death. And you feel the eyes of your god watching you, waiting for what you're going to say. <sighs> I fail to see what exactly my religion has to do with these proceedings. However... I will say this. Yep, and he uh, tries to segue with you, Cowdenhoven. Uh, uh, the fat man says, See, he's trying to deflect the question. He is not a worshipper of Siam. Therefore, he is a heathen. How can you trust a heathen to guard your nobles? Oh, one second there, my lord. See, if I was trying to deflect the question, I would speak like you speak 90% of the time. But... By by my own admission, I will say that I do not actively serve Siam. However, I have no ill will towards any god, and I will practice, and I can hold to the values of many, especially Nahash. Nahash and Siam I hold in such high regard. However, I do not actively participate in worship but i would not call myself godless or a heathen in any sense so hmm, i'm gonna say you can just make a because i want to go behind the conviction behind your voice since a lot of faith goes from that but i don't want to use persuasion again uh basically how i imagine it is you're flaunting uh, a little bit of your knowledge of nahash and siam about or basically knowing uh like the main gods to like deflect away from it so well actually you're also like trying to deceive her too uh, yeah that's right i forgot that you're still like a faithful man so no i'm gonna have you do a deception check okay. yep do a deception check and this will determine how this plays 22. out 22 22 holy shit and you see her smile and go we will have david here to ordain you under 
the will of Nahash and Siam. After that, you have full permission to oversee security. Of course, under the supervision of Fallon and looks at Fallon. And that man just gives you a wicked smile as he just stares into Cloudenhoven, uh, uh, who looks defeated that his last pull failed. What kind of stare do you give Cloudenhoven before we uh, move on? I just give him a very, uh, my signature cold smile, and I give mm -hmm. them, give uh, the the Earl a deep bow, and I even give him a bow and they say, "Your lords, your lordships, I very much appreciate your time that you have sacrificed to hear my plea and to give me an audience in these most esteemed of chambers." And I want to cut out from that. So it turns black, then uh, we just see the tapping of a finger, a thin female finger on a windowsill as she leans back. And I'd say this is a side profile from outside looking inward. We see her through the glass and we see the blurry like bed and uh, the blurred figure of uh, Leo sleeping. Then uh, we just see her knock on the wood and John. It's about 4 o'clock now. You had a full rest. You see Yvette trying to wake you up. Have you finished? And she nods her head. Yes, I finished. Good. I, Good. And she just speaks softly. I heard from Gus that we lost a boy today. And she looks away from you. Yep. This is the reason we do what we do. We just have to use it to fuel us. And we will not let it be in vain. And she says softly to you, but how are you, Nyx? And she just gives you a loving, just loving eyes and slight grimace as she worries about you. All we can do is move forward. And she gives you a nod, then pops out from the windowsill, and you see a rolled up piece of paper, or parchment. And from a singular glance, it's basically an outline of uh, the Earl Diamot's estate, sketched out. Nowhere is in details your previous blueprint, but he'll suffice. Take a glance at it and notice like some of the areas aren't detailed. This'll do. We know where to get in, so we will make this happen. And she goes, all this for an auction? Why are we going through so much trouble? Why don't we do the things that matter? Why are we just going to an estate? We need... To take down everything if we want to rebuild it. What do the nobles like the most? Protection, money, artifacts. And all of that will be at this auction. And she goes, well, that's another thing I wanted to bring to you. Apparently there's going to be two auctions. And she basically holds out a piece of numb gum and the camera stares at it. She looks at you. And goes, there's going to be more than artifacts going through this. There's going to be an underground auction held at the exact same place as a real auction. Two at once. Well, the more reason we need to hit this. Slavers are going to be there. Drugs are going to be there. Everything you can imagine that you can sell is going to be there. What are we going to do, Nix? We're going to burn this place down. And that's where we're going to end it. This has been House Common Blood. The intro music has been by Whitesend, Promise, and the outro music by Darren Curtis. 
Time's Up. Any music and sound effects used in the episode are royalty-free. Credits can be found in the episode description. Please review us on whatever podcast listening app you happen to be using, and if you like us, tell others. Word of mouth is best way for us to grow. Thank you for joining us, and hopefully you enjoyed all of my disembowelment.